When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 101. Today's episode is all about how to carve out a life you truly love, even if you have no idea what to do with your life. I'm obsessed with pattern recognition in my life and the life of others. I think from everything from working out what you want to do, there's ways to do that with pattern recognition, to working out how to make it work without getting lost in like the thousand and one, you know, be a version of me copycat formulas out there. Like how do you know which of those is right for you? The answer is down to understanding your own patterns. I think we can take control of our lives so much more effectively with just understanding that. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends and wild people. First off, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please hit the subscribe button. More subscribers means even better guests and tons more value. Plus, it helps me grow the show so more people can find it. And if you ask me, everyone could use a little more mind love. Hello, friends and wild minds. So part of the reason I love the term wild mind is because I think we all can relate to our minds getting a little crazy sometimes. But also, what do you do with something wild? You tame it. And how do you tame something? With love. You don't beat your dog into submission. At least, I hope not. And if I find out you do... I will find you. You give it love. You lead by example, and that is what is reflected back to you. So that's what we do with our minds. We give it a little bit of love, and our minds start to work with us rather than against us. But one thing I know for sure, we can do all the inner work in the world, but if we're not taking actions to align our lives with the changes going on inside us, we're still gonna feel dissatisfied. So this episode is for all of you out there that are stuck in a job or a career or even a life that you don't love. Maybe you keep hearing about people quitting their jobs to pursue their passions and you're like, well, maybe that works for them, but that could never work for me. I have bills and a family to support and truth be told, I don't even know what else would make me happy. And that's not even considering all of the time and effort that you've invested into this one career path. So how are you supposed to let all of that go? Well, first of all, let me say, I get it. It wasn't that long ago that I remember hearing people say, oh, just follow your passion or find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I would just sit there thinking, I have no idea what my passion is. So what action am I supposed to take? And worst of all, I felt alone because it seemed like everyone around me had at least some idea of what they wanted to do, even if they weren't pursuing it yet. And for me, it seemed like right when I started to get traction within a job to really know my position, I seemed to get bored. Maybe it was after a couple of months, maybe a couple years tops, but then I just wanted to move on. I wanted to move to a totally new kind of job with new challenges, which, as we all know, is not great for a resume. 
Can you relate to that? Have you ever felt that before? And be honest because you are the only person that you're admitting this to right now. Well, I know that a ton of you can relate. And I know this because, well, I surveyed you guys (laughs) and I read your emails and your DMs on Instagram. And sometimes when you follow me, I even check out your feeds. Well, I wish I would have known how many people felt exactly as I did when I was in the depths of it because it was lonely and I felt like something was wrong with me. Like maybe I did life wrong and I should be more in tune with what really lights me up by now. Or maybe if I had stuck to something just a little bit longer, I would have more clarity. Well, if this sounds like you, first of all, there's nothing wrong with you. We aren't taught this stuff. We're taught to fit in and match these academic standards of math and writing and reading books that don't really affect our lives at all. And when our uniqueness shows, we're often called weird for it. So first, know you are not alone. And second, there's still time. There's always time. And I want to read you something for a little perspective from Goalcast. Samuel L. Jackson didn't get his big break until he was 43. Julia Child released her first cookbook at age 50. Stan Lee, the godfather of Marvel Comics, didn't create his first comic until 39. Vera Wang wanted to be an Olympic figure skater and didn't even enter fashion until age 40. Momofuku Ando, we can thank for helping us survive college. He was the inventor of instant ramen noodles, and he didn't invent those until age 50. Colonel Sanders of KFC didn't franchise his company until age 62. And yes, he is a real guy, not a cartoon character. Isn't that amazing? It really just goes to show you that you can make a pivot at any time in your life. And if you already realize that the path you're going down isn't leading to happiness, then the only risk is staying on that path. Our life paths should not fit a standard. Most great things don't fit a standard. It's the things that fall out of normal that create greatness. There's a reason that it's called extraordinary. But that brings us back to logistics. How do we step out of the ordinary? Today, we're talking to Mary Ann Cantwell. She was a digital nomad before there was a word for it. She was one of the first to start writing about quitting your job to forge your own path. And in this interview, we're going to learn some unconventional but really practical steps to find or create a career tailor-made for you and the life you want to live. And a little teaser that does not always involve quitting your job. So three key things we will learn are how to know if you really should quit your job how your anxiety can be a gift in your decision-making, and an action to start right now that'll give you clarity on what you really want to do with your life and possibly change your whole life within the next 90 days. Real quick, have you signed up for the morning mind love yet? Sometimes waking up on the right side of the bed can be a little difficult. The morning mind love delivers short messages to your inbox with a thought or a tip to start each day on a positive note. I get messages from people every single day about how the morning mind love is their favorite way to start the day, or that the message that came through is exactly what they needed to hear. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. You'll get a free guided binaural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to your highest self. And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a really cool booklet of Powerless to help you gain clarity and live with intention. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. 
And now let's welcome Marianne Cantwell to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. So I'm so intrigued by your story because we hear so much these days about digital nomads and about people just quitting their jobs to find their passion. I feel like it's definitely a millennial trend, but it's so much easier taking that leap when there are so many other trailblazers kind of carving that path for you. But you were one of the first people to take a leap like that before even being a digital nomad was a thing. How did you get the confidence to do that? Well, to be honest with you, I think it was mostly because I didn't know it was supposed to be hard. So I I feel like I was just like so perfectly naive that I didn't see the problems because I didn't know there were supposed to be any problems. So I was sitting there, the, the first job, like the first serious job I'd had was for a big media company. It was for Disney and it was totally not me. So I was sitting there in, in an office in London feeling like, is this what adult life is meant to be? So I'd done a career change, you know, thinking that's going to solve the problem, became a a consultant doing some strategy consultancy in the city in London, realized that really didn't solve the problem, even though I now like my job. And I was sitting there one day, you know, really working late hours for the company. And I started thinking with the amount that we're billing our clients, if I could even get a small percentage of that myself without having to be on salary or give most of it to the company, I could be making a full-time living. It just didn't seem that hard because of the amount I could see that we were billing people usually. And so I thought, well, I guess I could just do that. And that was the start of it. I was someone who didn't want to be stuck inside. I'd been used to traveling as I was growing up because my family were from everywhere. And so to me, it was almost like this logical decision. I didn't know it was meant to that as today talk, people talk about as just a really hard thing. I just saw it as a logical next step. What intrigues me about that, though, is that a lot of us have like a passion. Well, it sounds like you had this idea working in the media wasn't necessarily the problem. It was the structure of the company because then you went off to be a consultant. And I think that those lines can be blurred for so many people because we think, well, I actually do like my job. I just don't like having to come here all the time. (laughs) So have that realization or the differentiation of not letting the parts that you were happy with overshadow the things that you're still dissatisfied with. That I love that question. First off, what I would say is, you know, if people see my book and all of that, they might think that I'm someone who says, oh, we should all quit our jobs. I actually don't think so. You know, so the firstly, I just want to say for anyone who's there going, I'm not perfectly happy. The answer isn't always to quit our jobs. Sometimes people discover flexible working. They discover an amazing company they are so into. For me, however, and for so many people who I end up working with, there was something deeper about that sense that... I wasn't the greatest one at having to hide a piece of myself. So, you know, I could play the part. I could show up to work every day. I was like the only female in the company aside from the PA, to like the boss's PA. Everyone was very kind and welcoming. It wasn't, there weren't any issues within the company, but I was really shedding a lot of myself to play the game as an overachiever. I really wanted to get it right and show up in this very masculine world. And I knew I was leaving a piece of myself behind. And it really, 
it hit home. It was about a year before I actually quit because as someone who's actually pretty risk averse, uh, which surprises people when they see my life now, but I'm pretty risk averse. And so I thought I need a plan. I need to come up with some way of doing this that will work. And so I came up with a portfolio career where I do consulting within my field, where I would pursue two other passion projects. One of them would be something creative. And at the time it was actually baking cupcakes of all things, baking <laughs> vegan cupcakes. Again, before vegan was even a thing. I was, that was one of my passions, which by the way, spoiler, didn't turn to my main business. And the other one was this little idea I had because my friends kept telling me, you're really good at getting jobs, at talking your way into jobs, at talking your way into interviews. And they'd asked me for help on that. And so I'd retrained just with like a really basic course as a career coach. And so I was practicing that on the side. And so the reason I set that is because when I tell you what actually happened, it will sound like it was an overnight decision and it really wasn't. What happened was I'd set up this beautiful grand plan knowing that I wasn't the sort of person who would be happy to be in that job in 10 years time. And the reason I could say that was that just because of who I was hanging out with, a lot of my friends at the time were 10 years older and very successful at what they did. And so I had every day after work, I had a glimpse of a decade in the future if I did really well, and I didn't want it. Mm. And I think that's one of the most important and powerful things you can do. If you aren't sure, like, do I want to be here? Go and hang out with people who are where you think you'll be when happiness, like is happiness on the other side of that promotion? You'll find out. And so I was there and I knew it wasn't a fit. And I also knew that I was this person who I didn't have a word for it at the time. And now I know the word is anxiety. I didn't know I had anxiety and I didn't know I lived with it. But I knew that there would be days when despite coming across as confident when I didn't, couldn't feel like I could leave the house because my mind and my being was just too full and I was so scared of the outside world. And that really surprised people when I started talking about it. But I knew this thing happened when my mind shut down and my body also shut down. I would get incredibly ill for no reason I could explain. I was just in the wrong place. As a high feeler, my body would react. And so it's a long story short, I knew I had to get out. I made a plan, was going to execute that plan perfectly. And then I was pushed to quit one day when two weeks before going part-time in my safe risk-averse plan, which I'd negotiated with my boss, something happened at work where I injured myself helping out at a trade show could barely walk. I was in so much pain in my back from pulling my back. And my boss that day said, you can't go home early, despite the fact I basically need to go to hospital. I wrote my resignation and I handed it and I've never walked back into an office again. And that was the push. It was that moment when there was all this planning and all this thinking. And then my body, I feel like my back just was like, we're going to give you the push out of here. Um, because you're clearly not going to take that yourself. And so that's my, that's my long story. But I think it's a really important one about listening to our bodies because they really do know, even if our minds are saying something else. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. 
Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word MORNING to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. There are a few things that, well, I relate to in that story, but also that I think are so worth highlighting. The first one being just how you said you didn't know you had anxiety. There's something I've been experiencing in the last few years where I just realized that I don't have anxiety in the same way that other people do, or at least as what was explained that anxiety was to me. So for me, when I get anxiety, I just kind of feel scattered and restless. But it's not like I'm like getting all uppity and nervous and whatever. But when I started journaling, I actually realized, wait, all of these times that this happens, it's when I'm actually anxious about something. (laughs) So this, I think, is how my anxiety plays out in my body. And so for a lot of us, we just feel like a failure or we feel like we aren't smart enough to or strong enough or driven enough to follow through on the next thing when it might just be your way of handling anxiety And you might just need the tools to kind of maintain that or calm it down or know how to work with your body. Is that how you ended up handling your anxiety? I've got to say, I found my anxiety to be, I mean, the greatest Achilles heel, but also the greatest gift. Because if anyone's listening to this and you feel like you're someone who's maybe has a bit more sensitivity to you than others see, I actually think we have such a gift because, you know, I didn't have the option of sticking around in a job, right? Like it Mm. actually, my anxiety pushed me out and it's meant that throughout my business, I haven't been able to do things that are out of alignment um, because my body will respond. Like I will literally get some sort of back pain if I'm making a poor decision. And so I feel really lucky in that sense. But yes, to answer your question, for me, the way, firstly, naming it has been life changing. So I talk openly about anxiety and depression, even if you have the greatest, shiniest life living around the world, you can still have this stuff. And I think naming it is powerful because then it's separated from you. It's a thing that you 
experience and that you manage just the way you might manage occasionally getting a headache. Like you'll minimize the time it happens. You won't tell yourself you're silly for doing it. Like you just kind of deal with it. And honestly, since taking that approach and since taking it seriously, like going, hey, you know what? When I exercise regularly, I don't seem to get anxious. Like these sort of things have really been super helpful. But, you know, back in a job when you your trial, my experience was I'm trying to fit in. I'm trying to not get it wrong. It's like I had all these layers on top of me that I didn't know were there. So I didn't even see that that was a thing. And therefore you can't deal with it if you don't name it. It's so true. An episode I did just a few weeks ago was with an Olympian, Sarah Wells. And what struck me was she got injured and she had to sit out of this thing she had been working a lot of her life for. And so I was asking what she did in this time frame, And she was still logging all of these things, logging improvements, doing like basically case studies on her own body. But what that made me realize is that with a lot of the great people that I've talked to, the people that have achieved excellence in a way or another, they don't just live their life. They do what they can to notice patterns and that helps them to manage and to direct their lives in a way that not everyone naturally does. And so that's something that's really changed the way that I work. And I'm like right now, I've been logging basically my cycle and saying, I feel creative today, day four, day five, this. And so I can actually see, so I don't sit there and beat myself up on day 12 because I'm randomly moody and I don't think I should be PMSing when I'm like, wait, around this time, I'm always a little bit moody. Just be okay with that and know what I need for myself in order to move through that so that I don't end up taking it to some extreme level and it takes control over me instead. Melissa, I love this because I, I'm laughing as you say, because A, I do exactly the same thing. So there's one day a month where I'm actually a crazy person. And so it's really good to know. And by the way, it was yesterday. So good scheduling this today. Um, and I, it's really good to know that. But the other thing is that I was laughing because something I say to you know, all our clients and readers is the word pattern recognition. Like I'm obsessed with pattern recognition in my life and the life of others. I think from everything from working out what you want to do, there's ways to do that with pattern recognition to working out how to make it work without getting lost in like the thousand and one, you know, be a version of me copycat formulas out there. Like how do you know which of those is right for you? The answer is down to understanding your own patterns. I think we can take control of our lives so much more effectively. We're just understanding that. So I'm so glad you raised it. Yeah. And the other thing that I want to bring up from your story, which goes hand in hand with this pattern recognition, is that you are finally able to see your own patterns about how you were reacting, your body was reacting and whatever. And I think a lot of times we just blame aging or we blame, we just think something's wrong with our body. We accept it. We cover it up with a prescription or whatever it is. When these aches and pains or whatever it might be are serious ways that our body is talking to us and giving us signals that maybe it is time to take the leap. And when I look at the time that I quit my job to start the podcast, I did the same thing. I didn't just say, I'm not happy here. Let me stop everything and immediately go a whole new direction fingers crossed if it works. I started it on the side and I started to develop a new pattern of success. And so everything that happened good with the podcast or the traction it was getting, I was logging my wins and my progress 
And that started to build a whole new pathway for me where I was like, maybe this could work. Okay, maybe this could work. And every day, it was another building block onto a new way that I was able to see myself. And so all of those things, though, go back to developing that relationship with ourselves enough to see those patterns. Would you relate to that? Yeah, completely, completely. I think that either going and becoming your own boss or exploring it even inside projects is one of the best self-development things you will ever, ever do because this is the stuff that comes up and this is stuff that we have to deal with and we have to start to learn about ourselves. It's to me, actually, well, I, I am so all about the freedom and the fulfillment and the fact you can live your life when you're free range, as I call it. Actually, I also kind of think it's a really clever way to get those of us who would never have looked at personal development before to actually look at it. So I kind of see my book as, I call it stealth self-development. People pick it up to change their life and they seem to learn a lot about themselves in the process. So I definitely agree. I love that. And also, it does go to show you that it's not just that we're these millennial rebels who are just living for ourselves and trying to do whatever. It's that we are evolving as a species. And we're realizing Mm. that we have more access to things than we used to. What our parents may have had to do by climbing this corporate ladder that takes them 40 years to get to the position that they want we have a different access. And so I think that we are using that. So I love that you had a plan, but I'm wondering how do you balance having that plan and not just doing something willy-nilly for lack of a better term and getting lost in too much preparation, too much perfectionism, and basically those endless 10 steps of how-tos? Perfect question. Because as you probably guessed, i definitely a lifelong perfectionist. So I was you know, the kid at the top of the class, total geek. And so, you know, I'm definitely someone who naturally would love to read about something for a really, really long time. And so the approach that I came up with and that we've been running with clients for the last 10 years is something we call free range projects. And these are things where, which I've been using throughout my whole business, instead of saying, I'm going to either research this for a year or I'm going to dive in without thinking, you take this middle ground where you run a 30-day project. And it could be a two weeks or 30 days, either one's fine. And what you do is you take, let's just say you had an idea for running events around the world that will help people to have a totally different relationship to their health. And you have this vision and every moment you think of it, the vision grows. I'm sure this is familiar to some people. You know, it starts out with, I'd like to run a retreat. And suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, and I could have this app that would do this stuff. And you create this huge vision and you don't have the ability to execute on that vision. And a free range project takes these beautiful things that are up in the air and brings it down to the ground with something you can do today in your job or on the side of your business. So it would say, okay, Right. Before we go and run off with this thing, when you haven't even I know, worked with 10 people yet, let's do a project that takes the essence of the thing you want to do and gives you a taste of it with what you have already. So with that idea, someone could say, okay, well, the experience I really want, I really love the experience of having a group of people come together and being able to see the changes 
in their thinking, be able to have to realize they're not the only one. I want to really have that happen. And I'd say, okay, great. Get Let's work out how in the next two weeks you can get six people together, either in your home or in a room, a spare room of the cafe down the road, whatever it might be, something really simple, get six people together and ha- run something like that, not with a month of prep not with a big brand launch, not with a website, but I need you to get that experience of doing the thing that you're dreaming. And the reason this I'm so excited about this is that genuinely this changed my life massively and I've seen it change other people's lives. Because in that room, what ends up happening is you end up realizing which piece of this is really you and which piece of this is your ego, which piece of this is a little voice that says, in order to be enough, you have to do it in this way. So the person might be in the room and realize, wow, I thought that this was all about me running the show in this way, but it turns out there's this tiny piece on the side when I start talking about, say, physical health that everyone gets really excited about. And I thought I had to do mental and this and that. People are really interested in these practical things. Right now I know which piece of this to look at. And so suddenly we have information. Suddenly you're someone who's done something, not someone who's talking about it. And then you can build on it with another project. So you go back, you analyze what worked, what didn't work, what did you love, what didn't you love, and you run it again. And I really believe, and actually I know, that free-range careers are grown through projects, through one project and another and another. Does that make sense? Definitely. And what I kept thinking about it coming back to is a couple of things. First, when we are planning too much, the thing is, is with the access to information that we have right now, that if you are like, I'm going to plan this to perfection, you're going to always be able to find more to add to it. And so it's (laughs) kind of an endless project. But one thing I used to help develop, or I did app user experience and user interface, and I designed them and whatnot. So I'd be laying out the workflow and whatever. And or when I first started, I would look at these apps and I was like, well, it could have this feature and it could have this feature and it could have this feature. And very quickly, what you realize is what my very first boss in that position told me was like, yeah, this is all great. That would be a magnificent app, but we have to start somewhere. And so you start with what in the tech world they call the minimum viable product, which is the bare bones. Basically, the app needs a login and it needs to like calculate your calories or something, whatever it is, or it needs to swipe yes on a hot guy, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Whereas, And then that's why apps have updates with extra releases. And so The same thing comes to our own projects. What can I do right now to get it out there without being overwhelmed with the perfection of having a super well-designed website and Instagram and Twitter and and all the things? And those things are a lot of times just they could be helpful, yes. But if you don't have the time to upkeep them and you're trying to launch this initial seed, you're going to just overwhelm yourself and all of a sudden it's going to seem like a pipe dream. Yeah, I Being a researcher, I obviously researched the history of your podcast, Melissa, and I listened to an episode that you did, I think, on someone else's podcast recently about how you made your podcast a success. And I very much recommend that episode, by the way. Um, And there was something you said in there about one way was around your attention to detail and quality. 
right? Like that you put a lot of time into making sure that you were editing this and you were making it at a high quality level in what was a, you know, a space where people were being very amateur. And so I'm sure you're someone clearly who cares about quality and I suspect your listeners are as well. And so I just say that because I don't think there's a disconnect between what you just said and attention to quality. And for any perfectionist, the thing that was very hard for me to take on at first, but which I embrace now, is that if we want to create something of the highest quality, we have to run imperfect projects first. The first thing you do is not going to be the last. That's all I keep saying is the first thing you'd put out there, the first time you interview someone is not going to be the last thing that you do. And so I definitely, definitely back that up. The quickest way to to perfection is the dirty project, right? And the other thing I would say, just in case, again, for perfectionists, was I used to think that as soon as I put something out there, the whole world would see it. I remember spending two months on my first website and creating client materials and going, I can't tell anyone about it till it's ready. And then I pushed publish and there was nothing. There were no humans who ever saw that website. And suddenly I was like, oh, maybe, maybe if I'd run a project two months ago, I would know that these client materials are not what clients need. And I'd know that that brand was a really poor idea. So it's like, <laughs> run the project, run the project, run the project. That's all I can say. And yeah, anyway, I won't add to it, but I think we're definitely on the same page with that. Yeah. And, you know, I say those things about the perfectionism because they're things I have to constantly remind myself. But at the same time with this particular project, yes, I did launch with a beautiful website and these Instagram things and whatever. But what I laid out when I was launching it was that that was part of my unique skill set. That's what I had been doing for other people for a really long time. And I think that's so important because if I would have been starting there and didn't have so much experience in those areas, that would have been quickly overwhelming. And I think what we should be doing is launching with that thing that is really highlighted in us, our unique strength, mm-hmm. the thing that we bring to this project. And so I'm curious, what are the ways that you have helped people find the thing that they really have to offer in this world instead of just trying to keep up with what everyone else is doing? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, (laughs) and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot mindlove. 
I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What are the ways that you have helped people find the thing that they really have to offer in this world instead of just trying to keep up with what everyone else is doing? I think it's a combination of free range projects. So the action, the the down on the ground action with the other prong of free range humans, which is a deep understanding of your personality and what we call your superpowers. And this combination is kind of magical. So what you are bringing to the table, even if you're going to launch a podcast just like Melissa's, or if you want to do something just like me, there is absolutely no way, as you know, that you would actually do it just like us. And so the first thing that I get people to do, if they're looking at an idea, if they're looking at someone else and saying, oh, but you know, I I want to do something and there's already someone out there doing it is I'd say, if you were given that business today, what would you do differently? What's one thing that maybe you wouldn't keep? What's one thing that you'd add? I can tell you everyone has an answer. And so that's the first thing out. So you get, I get people thinking creatively by saying, Hey, instead of saying, I wish I had it say, what would I do differently? So it might be, Oh, well, actually I'd make it for more this sort of person, or I'd make it more playful, or I would do it in a more serious way. Like, and you suddenly start getting these differences. The next part would be is when you start looking at yourself. So you're looking inside rather than outside. So we use a whole bunch of techniques for this. So a lot of them are in the book. So one of them is I encourage people to do a variety of personality profiles. And I say a variety because you don't get super obsessed with one and be like, oh my God, that's completely me. It's like, no, you do like three. Like I love a good personality profile. I've done like so many. And you're right. And you put them in a, a pattern recognition starts. You put them out in front of you. You're like, what are all these saying? And where I love to get people to dive in is into the bits when they read something in a profile, like of the ones we recommend. And they say, oh, that's disappointing. 
that's very interesting. So I always say highlight the thing that you are disappointed by. What do you think is not enough? And what do you think is too much? I think that's where a lot of our barriers come from. We think what we bring to the table is either too much, too big, too loud, too silly, or it's not enough. It's not shiny enough. It's not useful enough. And when we look different profiles, like, and I love profiles, they're a way of using other people's language to explain ourselves back to us. We look at those and someone says, oh, well, someone of that profile could never make something work. I'll go, that's interesting because people of all types make something work. So which piece of you right now do you not think is enough? And which piece do you think is too much? Let's make sure that's included in your next project. Because guess what? That's going to be uh, the thing that makes you take off. So I always say your weirdness is your edge. The thing you have shame about, about yourself, the thing you think is going to be the problem is usually the thing that makes you shine. Uh, So give you a quick example of this. I had one client early on who was an extreme introvert, but who was also really quirky in her own way. So she loved playing with systems, with tech, with like just making, putting her sock drawer in order, like literally putting her sock drawer in order, but also putting like virtual sock drawers in order, like reorganizing things on her phone or whatever it was. But, and she also had like this little like quirky side to her, but she kept thinking, I have to be this massive extrovert who goes out networking, who is really front of house in a brand, who is doing all these things that aren't just me being boring and organized. And she remember her saying, I wish, wish my brain wasn't like this. And so through a project that she ran where she actually helped someone else out with their business, she came back and said, I can't believe how useful my brain is to someone else. When she wasn't layering on, she had all these crazy big ideas, but when she went off and did the thing she couldn't help but do, she was like, this is crazy. This completely works. And today she has something that's almost 10 years old that has had several forms where she is super in demand, helping people out with their web tech and doing it in her quirky, creative way. And I think that's an example of one question I think everyone can take with them, which is what is it that I can't help do? What's the thing I can't help do when I'm not telling myself that's not enough or that's too silly? And run a project that uses that. Run a project that puts that in it. And I challenge you to not get something from that. That's amazing. And I have an interesting example of this as well. I was on a coaching call with somebody and she kept saying, like, I'm worried about starting my own thing because... I seem to always find the easy way out or like I'm kind of hacking my way to the solution or whatever it is. And she was ashamed about it. Like she wasn't putting her all in things. She would just do whatever it took to just get it over with. And as she was saying this, I was asking for examples of what she did this in. And she gave me a few of different projects. And I started to think that sounds exactly like me, only I have a very different mindset around it. I have always done the same thing. I would find the little avenues and the side doors around to the solution as fast as possible. But for some reason, maybe it was my upbringing, maybe it was just my view of myself at the time, but I was really proud of that. And I remember getting a job somewhere 
first as the social media person. And I soon, everyone was calling me the chief of efficiency because I was going through and making everyone's processes way faster. And so with this shift in mindset, I was like, you have those exact same qualities. You just choose to have shame around it while I chose to be proud of those and to see them in a new way light. And the moment that you're able to do that, you start to then fill the gaps and see where those can be your strengths instead of your weaknesses. So I love that you brought that up. Beautiful example. I love that. (laughs) So I'm wondering, when you first started, you said that you didn't have basically people telling you that this didn't seem realistic or this couldn't be done. And so you didn't have the fear that maybe some people might have because, you know, when there ever there's a new trend, you'll have all these articles telling you it's possible and then all the clickbait articles telling you why it's not. (laughs) So it just depends on which ones you choose to highlight. But I'm wondering, how do you now define realistic? Because some people have a hard time seeing their dreams as something that they can actually accomplish. Ooh. Gosh, that's one of my pet topics, Melissa. Realistic. If you think about it, when have you heard people use the word realistic? In what context? For most of us, we hear the word realistic in a way that actually means not possible or difficult or pessimistic. So be realistic. The world's a hard place. In the real world, people get hurt. You go away on a beautiful vacation. And I don't know if this is a, like a, a British thing. When I was living there, I heard a lot when people would say, oh, back to reality at the end of a vacation. I don't know if you guys get that, but <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that all the time. You do? Yeah. yeah. And I like, oh, back, back to reality. And I was like, and I remember thinking at one point, have you just been living in a hologram for the last week on vacation? Like, is that not <laughs> real? Like, I was like, how? I remember even before I did all this, I'd get really weirded out because I'm really about accurate language use. And I'm like... <laughs> It is real. That was real. Is this not real? What? And so I would say my view on the word realistic is that it has been co-opted to mean things it doesn't mean. If we want to talk about reality, we have to talk about what is possible for us here and now, what is available to us. So moving, let's just give an example away from this world for a sec, just to, to really drive this home. If People, if you're out living in a city like you know, LA or, or wherever, and someone says to you, well, in the real world, you know, there's bad people out there, something to think about is in your real world, you've probably walked out the front door this week and you haven't been mugged, right? Like, that's probably, <laughs> that, I mean, and apologies to anyone who has been, but like, you know, in <laughs> most of your days, you haven't been. That is your real world. In your real world, there is mess and there are problems. Those are also true. But to only apply the world word realistic to the mess and to the problems actually denies reality. And it's, I would say it's such an important practice to get into is to say when someone says to me, well, back to the real world now, I actually make a joke and I'm like, oh, so are you living in a hologram for a week? Ha ha. And I just, I just do it in a way that gets people laughing and questioning it. And the more you redefine that word, the more power you have. So, you know, coming back to what we're doing, the way I see realistic now is it's meant to be a neutral word that describes what is. And you know what? Sometimes if someone says, I'm sitting here in an an office or a business that I don't love and I have this grand idea to change the world, I don't know any of those people. 
I don't have any traction. This isn't within my superpowers, my strengths, my skill set. And I want to execute this by next month. I don't want to be like a downer here, but I don't think that's realistic, right? <laughs> like I'm yeah. like, oh, and I think it's very hard in the self-development world because sometimes you you say something like that and people are like, oh no, but anything is possible. I'm like, yeah, but it probably isn't realistic, is it? Like it might be an interesting project to work towards because you'll learn. But let's look at what's realistic. What's probably realistic is that person can probably think bigger than they had been. They can look at something they want to achieve down the line. They can put a date on it and they can start to take action. Is it going to happen in two weeks from a zero standpoint? The odds are low. It doesn't mean you shouldn't make a project of it. So this is where you can start to have these honest conversations with yourself that don't drag you to like being stuck on the ground that you can't move, but equally important, they don't give you, I had to describe this properly, but give you that sense of almost floating out of your head. You know, when you have this crazy idea that's not grounded and it's like it's above you and you're swimming in the clouds, and there's no way of getting down to the ground. Or if you're in a spiral of loads and loads of new ideas and every week there's a new one and nothing gets done, that is when we need the other side of realistic. Does that make sense? Like it's not that realistic is good or bad. It's that it's neutral. And if you're up in the clouds, nothing gets done. And if you're laying on the ground thinking the world's a bad place, nothing gets done. So I would say to me, free range is in the middle of those where you you go between the two as needed. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And what I'm really getting from that is, first of all, there is an importance in just positive psychology. It brings back to positive thinking where like, yes, realistic isn't just highlighting all of the negative things because those things stood out to you so much. And I know so many people who have a tendency to do that. And I might have been one of them at certain lower times in my life. And I've realized that what positive thinking does is it's just, yes, it sees the bad. It might understand, yeah, don't walk in and do a dark alley late at night, like recognize those (laughs) patterns. But at the same time, don't think that you can't ever walk down an alley, (laughs) you know, in a good area or go where your car is parked in the alley because life is too scary. Like that's going to hold you back from a lot of different positive risks that actually help you to push your own boundaries. And at the same time, it's like, also, you can dream big, but you have to ground those things from in the clouds, in your head, down into real life and start to lay out a plan for yourself. Because otherwise, if you're like, okay, I'm going to launch the biggest conference in the world next month, you're going to fall flat on your face. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, that's going to be in a negative pattern, like risks aren't wor- worth Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And you know what? It, you made me think where you said that about travel and how travel is such a thing that people associate the word in the the real world is harsh and in reality you know for example a woman can't full time travel by herself like i've did that for years and i had to change the game on it and say instead of saying well well the world's harsh out there and say actually in a country like america you're probably in more danger day to day if driving in a car you're in more danger than you are 
backpacking in mainstream parts of Asia. Like it's it's just a fact when we look at fatality rates for motor vehicles, yet we don't tell ourselves. This is why we have to realize it's just a story. You don't tell yourself I'm not getting in a car because statistically that is a less safe choice than getting on an airplane, which FYI it is. And so as soon as we rewire that these are stories and we can choose within the reality that's there, it's not that we're saying the world is like a problem-free place. It means that we're back in the driver's seat again. Mm, That makes perfect sense. It also brings me to the point of because we have so much access to create in this world, like we just do, you know, people are coming out with new products all the time. One thing that I am constantly (laughs) hearing from people because I am a lot of people's like entrepreneur friend, I love to encourage people on their ideas and show them the ways that it might be able to be possible. But what I end up hearing a lot from people are, well, like I have this idea for an app that does this, this and this. And it might be a brilliant idea. It might be something that I'm like, yes, I wish that existed in the world. But another so important thing to do when you're trying to lay out your own plan is to really lay out what building that or what creating that position for yourself would look like in your daily life and ask Mm -hmm. if that's what you're seeking. Because just because something is a good idea doesn't mean it's the idea that's going to light your fire the most. You know what I mean? Oh, I feel like we're the same person right now, Melissa. (laughs) There's there's this line that I say in the book and into clients, which is there's no such thing as a good idea. There's only a good idea for you. And that's it. Don't fall in love with your ideas is what I'd say. Don't worship your ideas. And I used to do this to the point of sacrificing your life. If it means you're going to show up every day and do things that are out of your flow, no idea is worth that. Like it's just not. There's going to be something better and closer to you. And you can release that idea into the world. You can tell everyone, I wish someone would do this. You know, put it out there. You don't have to do every idea yourself. You're allowed to let one go, or you're allowed to edit it. You're allowed to, like, and if you find this with clients, most of it's nice. I look at people and they'll have an idea and it will be so close, but there'll be something big in it they'd have to do every day that's not right for them. And so I'd say, take a creative challenge. And the creative challenge was, what if that bit of it wasn't an option? What would you fill that space with? So it was something about how they think they have to market it. Well, what if that approach didn't work anymore? Like creatively, what would you do instead? And I think it gets us thinking differently. And that I also believe is where people who stand out and who do things in a way that maybe feels a little bit like, gosh, everything just comes to them. These are the questions they're asking, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so true. I feel like part of my journey has been that way. And what I like to tell people is that, you know, sometimes when you start a new venture, ideas, even for how to make it grow or whatever, might feel more difficult. Like, let me think of an example. A few years back, I remember thinking, man, I'm just not as creative as I used to be. 
And I made a goal on New Year's, this was like 2011, that all of the furniture I was going to get from my new apartment was going to be used like from a thrift store or from Craigslist or whatever it was. And I was going to redo it, just like all of these beautiful things I saw on Pinterest. And when I started, I was just looking through Pinterest and I was like, oh my gosh, these people's brains are different than mine. It Mine does not work this way. I don't know how people even have these ideas. And then all of a sudden I started like, good thing there's step-by-step directions. Let me see how this goes. And the first few weren't amazing, but then it got a little bit better. And it was only by like the third project that all of a sudden I would be at a thrift store and I'd be like, oh my gosh, if I take the top of this jewelry box off, the bottom looks perfectly like an ottoman and I could add a tufted top to it. And my brain was suddenly working different. But it takes actually going out in the real world and getting hands-on experience, not just scrolling through Pinterest over and over and over mm-hmm. again. So I love the that idea of taking that project. I think it's so valuable so that you can build a new pattern for yourself and prove to yourself that I have the ability to do this and now I have evidence in the real world. So thank you so much for sharing all of that wisdom and inspiring us to go out and do our own thing, do something a little bit unconventional while still redefining our version of realistic. (laughs) So for those listeners who want to connect with you on a deeper level, where's the best place they can reach you online? Well, if you're on Instagram, come and say hi at Free Range Marianne. And if you're interested in the book, go check out beafreerangehuman.com. I think the second edition is just out this September, which I am super, super excited about. And you put your name down on the email list there or check out free-range-humans.com for loads more cool stuff. All of the links mentioned in this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 101. Jeez, I can't believe we're in the hundreds already. That's crazy. I remember when I first started Mind Love and I was in all these podcasting groups and I would see podcasters posting about their hundredth episode and I just thought, I have honestly never had the stamina to do anything that long in my entire life. But that really goes to show what happens, what changes happen inside of you when you find something that you really love, that you're really connected to, and that you believe in the mission. So for those of you who are inspired by this, I want to know what your biggest takeaways were. I want to know what actions you're inspired to take. So connect with me at mindlovemelissa on Instagram and tag me. Tell me what you're doing. And I'm going to be sharing some of those stories on my story so that you can all see and be encouraged by each other's action. I know that was one of the biggest breaking points for me was just surrounding myself by other people that were also taking the risks I was or that were also leading an unconventional path. So I want to highlight you and connect you guys so you can see what's possible. So if this episode was exactly what you needed right now, take a screenshot and post it on Instagram. Tag MindLoveMelissa and Free Range Marianne. Or if you know of a friend or a family member who's just miserable in their job, send this episode to them. Funny enough, it was podcasts for me that really showed me what's possible and showed me that there was another way. And without that, I don't know if I would have ever connected to people that were doing something unconventional. And I'm so glad I did. My whole life is different. And I want that for you guys too, because I cannot even express how different it feels and how much life has opened up. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And thanks for giving your mind a little love today. And I'll see you next week. 
Thanks for tuning in to your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift.